the community knows what the community needs. So I think giving circles are a great example of trusting the nonprofits. They become this vehicle of asking the nonprofit, what do you need? What are those projects that you maybe not get funding from, you know, a bigger foundation or a bigger funder because everything is restricted? And the giving circle sometimes comes to fill those gaps, right? Like giving that money with no strings attached. Inform, inspire, and evolve. Welcome to Creating Community for Good, a podcast dedicated to philanthropy, the love of humankind. Join host Lindsay Simons in a friendly conversation about contributing to good as we bring together community, positivity, and energy to the business of generosity. Welcome your host, Lindsay Simons. Hello, Creating Community for Good podcast family. I'm excited to share this episode with you today. It's slightly less technical than last week's year-end giving with Mike Spear. Instead, if you're interested in considering how communities and giving are evolving, especially considering COVID-19, then this might be more for you because we talk a bit about how communities are getting involved beyond community foundations, but using giving circles. So for those of you who want to support local and who want to get involved in grassroots organizations or social justice or topics that you know you care about, but you don't know how to get involved in, I think that a giving circle is a wonderful way to educate yourself be part of a community, democratize giving. And it's a great entry point for anybody who's interested in learning more about giving. It's also an awesome spot for somebody who is more savvy and sophisticated about their philanthropy. I, for one, love my membership with Battery Powered Group here in the Bay Area, where we have three terms in a year. We learn all about different subject matters and cause issues. And then we go into what organizations are having an impact and how they're scaling and what funds would do for their program and how it would be meaningful. It's both social and impactful. So that's the case for Giving Circles. If you're not totally convinced about Giving Circles, then that's okay too. Listen in and hear why my wonderful guest and new friend, Sarah Lomlin, founding executive director of Philanthropy Together, is an advocate for creating more efficiencies with giving circles. So it's really about improving operations and systems, not reinventing the wheel, but actually providing opportunities for people to get involved and get into giving. I want to thank my dear friend and fellow colleague, Kaisen Buntwong, who was at CCS fundraising with me for many years. He recently had to also make his bittersweet departure from CCS because he was just so compelled by what Sarah Lomlin and Philanthropy Together was doing that he made the leap and moved over and he introduced me to Sarah. So shout out to you, Kaisen. I just think the world of you, you're so talented and capable and bringing such good things to the space of philanthropy. So good luck in your future endeavors. And for those who are listening, please tune in. Let me know what you think. Also a little CTA, a call to action. I am recruiting for a guest who has been on the other side of a giving circle. So have you ever pitched your organization to a giving circle? If so, contact me. I want to understand what it was like to do the pre-work, the actual presentation, and then what you got out of it. Did you get funded? Did you not? Did you find any new board members? Did you not? I'd like just a cool testimonial and conversation with somebody from the other side. 
I will not belabor this introduction any longer, but I do want to thank those of you who've reached out to me in the last couple of weeks. I've had a, a lot of outreach encouraging me on with this. So please give me, of course, positive feedback is always welcome, but so is the negative. If there are things that I can do to improve sound quality or cadence or what you're hearing, I'm always open to that too. As you know, this is a iterative experience, learning and mostly a passion project. So keep listening and let me know what you think and share this with others. Take care and listen on. Sarah, Thank you for taking the time to meet with me and to share your story. I want to hear about like where you started and where you're coming from and how did you come up with the idea to create an organization all around giving circles? Great. Thank you so much for having me, Lindsay. So where am I come from? I am from Mexico City. I moved to the U.S. about 24 years ago to go to graduate school. My background in Mexico was in communication. I started my career in a financial group in Mexico City doing PR, internal communications, marketing, et cetera, et cetera. And then after moving to the U.S. and after living a couple of years in Boston, I moved to San Francisco and I started my own business. So I was selling baby sleeping bags for car seats and strollers. And, you know, right now I can write a book about what not to do when you have a, a small business. So <laughs> that was my, my stint as an entrepreneur. <laughs> In the middle of that, actually, I moved to Dallas, Texas. And with a group of friends there, I started a giving circle without even knowing that that was called a giving circle. And a little bit of the background on that was that there was a big group of Mexican friends living in Dallas, Texas, that had left Mexico because of safety issues in Mexico. And we were getting together socially all the time. But at some point, it hit me like, we're not in this country in a shopping trip anymore. Our kids are born here. Our kids are going to school here. And we have a responsibility to support our communities because if we don't do it, then who, right? How can we go and ask for other people to support our Mexican immigrants if we as Mexicans were not doing it? So anyway, we started this group, this giving circle, just getting together and raising money to support different organizations in Dallas that were working with Latino moms and, and children. After that, I moved to the Bay Area and a good friend of mine introduced me to an amazing organization, the Latino Community Foundation. Great. Yes, they're amazing. I started there doing fundraising without knowing anything about fundraising. <laughs> My friend said, okay, you have your own business. You know how to sell. This is kind of the same thing. I started when we were three and a half people and I was a half <laughs> to do, you know, fundraising to, to bring more individual donors and corporate donors. At that moment, the organization was really small with a budget of maybe a little bit over a million dollars. Basically, no individual donors apart from the board, a good, successful annual event, but people will come to the event, buy a ticket, and we will reach out to them the year after, you know, to invite them again for the event. And I said, okay, they are not 
individual donors. They are ticket buyers. They are not. Sometimes people don't know that it's great, you know, attending events, but they think that those $300 of the ticket is an actual donation and they're not. You know, those events are very expensive. A lot of the times uh, nonprofits are losing money on the individual tickets because or maybe we're making $10 out of a ticket, right? So anyway, I, I wanted to, to find a way to attract individuals just to the organization, to create a community around the organization. So again, you know, my friend said, that that you created in Dallas is called a giving circle and you should start something here. So I started doing some research at that moment in the organization, an amazing person that has a lot of influence in my life, Masha Cherniak. She's the current VP of programs at Latino Community Foundation, joined LCF first as, a, as an intern, as a fellow, and then as a, a staff, we started looking, you know, for information about giving circles. There was nothing online. We found this research that was done in 2007. We spoke with someone at APIP because they had giving circles. And suddenly, you know, we, we found Amplifier, which is this network of giving circles based on Jewish values, based in New York. Uh, that they had very great resources, but they were just getting started. So anyway, we said, let's start this giving circle. I invite all my Latina friends, my Mexican expat friends to a breakfast. And we said, let's do this. Like, let's start this giving circle. And I thought everybody, and everybody said, yes, let's do it. The moment I said, okay, each of you have to put a thousand dollars per year. I heard crickets. Like people were like, hmm, I don't know, you know, and why was that? Because, and I come from Mexico. We don't, we come from very, from places with very corrupt institutions. A lot of times, very corrupt governments. We don't trust. We needed to create trust. So I said, okay, I am not doing this in the right way. So we did some more research. I tried again. This time, I invited a group of Latinas that were born in the U.S. Okay. Before I had finished, you know, my speech, I had checks on my hand. Interesting. Yes. So you think it's just coming from a perspective of feeling more trusting of a system? Or what would you say? Yes, yes. I think Americans, people in this country, you're born here and you know that you need to give. It is part of our culture. It's part of a culture. There's a culture of philanthropy, of institutional philanthropy. Not, I'm not going to say philanthropy because I am a firm believer that all over the world and all, all cultures have their own ways or, of doing philanthropy. But I think the mainstream philanthropy, as we understand it here, was not something that my Mexican friends were really understanding at that point. So with this, this first checks on my hand, I called this first group again and I said, okay, people, we're doing this. And this is transparent and we will be learning about the different causes. We will be learning about the different nonprofit organizations. All of you will be making the decision democratically about where do you want your money to go? Because that's the beauty of giving circles, right? So they said, okay, let's do it. So we started this first giving circle with a group of 16 women in San Francisco, each of them giving $1,000 a year. 
after six months, you know, they gave their first round of grants of they gave $10,000 to two very small grassroots Latinx led nonprofits. And with that, you know, we, we started growing the group. A year after that, we got a call from the, the wife of one of our board members saying, I want to be part of the, of the Latina giving circle, but I don't know. I, I, you know, the traffic is crazy to get to the city. Can we start one in Pleasanton? And we said, sure. So we started another group in Pleasanton and then we started one in the East Bay and then one in the peninsula. And then long story short, 23 giving circles across California were born. And with that, you know, the Latino Giving Circle Network, which is now the largest Latino donor network in the country. No, that's huge. I've got all these questions. Yeah, I know. I know, which is huge. It's amazing. But at the same time, it's the potential is humongous because imagine why that happened and why this, you know, Giving Circles are something that uh, resonates so much with Latinos, with the African-American community, with Asian-American community, with youth, with so many diverse communities is because it's, it's social, it's community, it's fun, it's transparent, it's the multiplying effect that your donation has by the impact of the group, right? Anyway, you know, that was my my time at Latino Community Foundation, which I love and they will always be my family. And during that time, I got to meet the gals at Amplifier and some people at Community Investment Network, a network of Black and people of color giving circles, mostly in the South, and some people from APIP. And some people from Catalyst at that point, now it's filling us, so these women's giving circles. And we said, the Council of Foundations exists to support all foundations, right? But there's nothing to support these networks of giving circles. So a couple of people had the brilliant idea of just have this convening of network, giving circle network leaders. And we convened in 2017 in Michigan, in the middle of the winter. It was freezing cold (laughs) (laughs) for a couple of days just to brainstorm and to say, what what does the giving circle field and collective giving field needs? So during those days, we're just looking at the different models, what everybody was doing, very diverse type of groups, because you would find that some networks have 10 given circles or 20 given circles, and some networks have 75 given circles with each given circle having more than 100 people. So, you know, very, the spectrum was huge. So after those two days, we said, We know we need something, but we don't know yet what. And we would love to embark in a, in a full year co-design project to figure out what, what the field needs. So that's where the Gates Foundation comes along. And they said, okay, we will give you a grant to support that co-design project. It was a challenge grant. We, we raised some more money for that year and we were five networks and an amazing consultant, Isis Kraus, who is still involved with, with us, doing this, you know, full year project. So 
we involved, we did like about 50 one hour long interviews via Zoom before Zoom was popular, imagine. So we have like hundreds of hours on Zoom. We put together working groups around, you know, evaluation, funding, tech. And we ended up at the Gates Foundation with a convening with more than 100 people with a full room full of post-it notes everywhere, getting the input of academics, researchers, funders, giving circle leaders, giving circle members, people from community foundations. And so we're basically, philanthropy together is the brainchild of more than 100 people. Wow. So after that, we came back to the Gates Foundation and we said, okay, we we have a plan. We have a plan for a five-year initiative that is going to connect and catalyze the, the collective giving field. And we want to work under, we have four strategic areas, showcase, scale, strengthen, and sustain the American Giving Circle model. So showcase and, and scale is to bring new people into giving circles to really, you know, get that concept of a giving circle mainstream. We always said that if we don't have to explain what a giving circle is, and I just, I I just totally hit me that I haven't explained that. I need to explain it. (laughs) (laughs) What's a giving circle? (laughs) I know. A giving (laughs) circle. Yes. A giving circle is a group of people like-minded individuals that shared values that get together to create change in the community. They gather, they discuss different causes, they talk about their values, they decide where they are going to pull their, you know, collective donation, and then they they give it away and they engage further with their nonprofit that they support or their projects that they support. So actually, you know, now that you mention it, we just launched a website called whatisagivencircle.com. And it, you know, it lives there and it's super simple and super fun. Giving circles have existed since the beginning of time. We just haven't called them that, right? So, I mean, they're all, like you said at the beginning, There are different cultures around the world who've been collecting funds and setting others up for success. I love this story. I think it was, I'm trying to remember exactly where it was. I believe Laos. And they have something where they all, when when a new couple gets married, the community is expected to invest in a fund for this couple. And that that couple can take that money and buy a home or make sure that they're set up for success to build a family. And then they're expected to give it back towards the community again when the next couple gets married. So it's this set of cultural expectations. I think it may have even been from the happiness project now that I'm sort of retelling this story. I'd have to look it up. But if anybody who's listening can correct me, I'm happy to take that. But the concept is, you know, you're expected to pay it forward every time. I really like that idea. It's different from like America's giving circles, but the concept is to say that there have been different ways of giving and supporting each other since the beginning of time. And now, you know, in America, our giving is so individualized that it's less accessible for people who aren't able to make 
major investment. So they don't have the time to invest in understanding where should I put my money or, um, you know, understanding how to even invest or that it's a thing. So I like that it's a social concept. It can bring people together and it can really educate individuals at any level from giving $10 to a thousand to a hundred thousand and more. Totally. And I think you touched on something super important. It's something that has been going on in different cultures for years, but it has not been recognized as philanthropy, right? And I love that in your podcast, you said love of humanity, because that has been my mantra always. Everybody can be a philanthropist because you and, and giving circles, they not only give their financial gift, but they give so much more right? They give their talent, they give their time, they give their testimony, and they they really engage with each other and with the projects and the nonprofits and the causes that they, they support. So there's a lot of learning along the way. And, and I think that's also because sometimes people ask me like, well, are giving circles kind of like crowdfunding? And I said, no, I mean, crowdfunding is collective giving, yes, because it's the collect, you know, collective of people given to a cost. But in giving circles, you are really rolling up your your sleeves and, and learning about the different organizations and being in community with people. And I think that it's what is really attractive. Yeah, it's more strategy. I, I'm glad you brought up that distinction because I'm not sure that I've really spent that much time thinking about it. But giving circles are different from crowdsource because crowdsource is really they're they're basically pitching and trying to convince. It's more of an impulse purchase in many ways. A lot of peer to peer or something that really hits at the heartstrings. But then the giving circles, it's where you're you're actually doing strategic giving. So you sit down, you learn about the problem, you then invest in it, and then oftentimes you're looking for a report or check-ins on how is the money being spent and is it effective and would we continue to give to that organization. So it brings me back to understanding philanthropy together and what your thoughts are, Sarah, around what's critical to making a giving circle successful. Like what would you say is the most critical element to making a giving circle successful? I think the most critical element will be trust. Trust, trust across the board. I, I would say, you know, Trust among members, trust with, you know, the nonprofits that you support. And because a lot of times, and I, and I think I love the way philanthropy is shifting towards more trust-based philanthropy, right? That changing that image that the donor knows what is good for the community. When when that is not the case, like let's face it, who is working with the community? That executive director of the nonprofit, right? The community knows what the community needs. So I think giving circles are a great example of trusting the nonprofits. They become this vehicle of asking the nonprofit, what do you need? What are those projects that you maybe not get funding from, you know, a bigger foundation or a bigger funder because everything is restricted. And the giving circle sometimes comes to fill those gaps, right? Like giving that money with no strings attached. Why? Because that organization, a lot of the times it's a local organization that it's, you know, trusted in the community. And it's just, they're investing in the leader of the organization too. So I would say trust. Also, you know, 
keep it light because when people are part of giving circles, you're doing this in your spare time, right? You could be doing yoga, having dinner with your friends or your family, taking a class. You could be doing so many other things and you're deciding to take that hour or two every quarter or every month or whatever, you know, often they meet to be part of a given circle. So it has to be, has to be light. It has to be fun. It has to be engaging. If there's too many processes, too many restrictions, too, too much work, people, people stop engaging. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So how do you find giving circles are different from board membership? Well, you know, I think in giving circles, well, I don't know how many boards, you know, uh, do a lot of uh, wine drinking uh, <laughs> during board meetings. But, you know, with giving circles, I feel it's kind of more of this feeling of a family and a social and friends and just, you know, uh, sharing a meal and, and having wine together. I mean, unfortunately, right now with COVID, Every single giving circle has moved to virtual, virtual, uh, but without skipping a bit. I mean, we saw giving circles that have never used Zoom or used any tech platform, not even for managing the money, how in a matter of a couple of weeks, everybody was online. And thanks to that, money was not left on the table. Like during COVID, a lot of money has been moved out, you know, to small nonprofits from giving circles. I love that. But I completely forgot about the question you asked. Well, I was just asking, what's the difference between board membership and giving circles? But I think you're hitting on something that I'm really interested in. And I've been talking about a lot lately. I, I tend to actually come to this topic a lot, which is what is the intrinsic motivation of individuals who are giving funds or time or service involved in nonprofits. And there's this awesome book that I talk about all the time called The Seven Faces of Philanthropy. And I've got to figure out like, I've got to do a podcast just focused on that because I love it so much. I do trainings on it all the time. And the essence is that there are different archetypes of individuals, right? We've always seen that since the beginning of time that the Greeks and the Romans have archetyped people and now psychologists do. And so the concept is how do we archetype individuals and what motivates them to give? And so one of those is the socialite. That's an intrinsic motivation. Somebody who really wants to be connected to others. They want to have fun. There's a communitarian where it's it's just good for the community. There's the repayer. So somebody is paying it back because they feel like they've been so lucky or blessed or fortunate, but they want to make sure that those, those who have helped them are, are also helped back. And then there's the paying it forward person who thinks I'm so lucky and I need to make sure the next generation is set up. So there's lots of different motivations than the devout and it's good for business and the do-gooder. So there are, oh, and the seventh that I guess I'm missing is the Dynast. So somebody who says, this is something that we do because we've always done it. It's part of our family. It's our legacy. Our parents, parents, parents have always been giving. So some of those people might be big legacy names we know, but also they could just be families that nobody knows, but it's just part of their ethos. Anyway, what I'm hearing and what's resonating for me and what you're talking about is how giving circles, it's really centered on that motivation, that archetype of a socialite, somebody who really wants to connect and to do good together. Is that fair to say? Or what do you think? Would you contrast that? 
I think it's fair to say, and I will also add a little bit of what you said, the, the communal. Yeah, the communitarian. Yeah, somebody who's really thinking it's good for the community. The communitarian and also kind of the, yeah, of the pay it forward. But I think the social part is very important. You know, I always say that a given circle member is not your regular donor. A given circle member is the one that during middle school and high school ran for student council <laughs> and was organizing the prom. Yes. And then, you know, during college, you know, was involved in all the clubs yeah. and, and maybe on the protest. And then when they have kids, they are running the PTA. Yes, it's the doers, people that want to do and learn. And yes, they don't want to be passive at all. Interesting. And they probably don't want to be as private about their giving. We were just joking offline about the Scandinavian School and Cultural Center that you know, you know, some of the founders and, and we both admire their work. And then we laughed about how they're like the Scandinavian culture is not comfortable asking for money. They're not comfortable talking about money versus the Latino culture. It may or may not be comfortable talking about money, but they're definitely interested in pushing the layers of comfort in order to have rich and dynamic conversations. So there are two sort of ends of a spectrum, if I may use some liberty, and I hope everybody sees the intention is to not be judgmental or racist, but just to talk about like how there are different types of archetypes of people. And so I'm thinking that what, what I'm hearing is that there are people who want to be seen as part of this group. They want to be seen as a, a donor and they may not necessarily need their name in lights. They don't necessarily want to be the only donor, but they don't want to be doing it privately. They want to be part of that, that middle, that grouping. They want to be a group member. Is that fair to say? Or what do you think about that? Yes. You know, I don't know because there are some, first of all, there are, you know, about maybe 2000 giving circles in the country right now for the last research. Half of them are part of networks. There are about 12 networks of giving circles. And then the other half are independent giving circles. And there, it can be eight people around the dinner table, right? So some of them like the spotlight a little bit more than others, but there are also, you know, some very private giving circles. And also, you know, in terms of the spectrum of the giving, you have given circles where people may give, you know, a dollar a day or $20 a month or, you know, $1,000 a year. And you have given circles where people are giving, you know, six, seven figures each, each person. So everything in, everything in between. But yes, I think, you know, what, what it's attractive to people about the given circle. I mean, when my giving circle gives out money, I don't call my mom and says, and said, oh, I just gave $1,000. I call and I said, I just gave $50,000 to these organizations. Why? Because it's the power of the collective, what is important. And I think, you know, also that beyond the dollars, how can you engage further? And when, on my time at LCF, what, what we realized was that giving circles are an incubator also for civic engagement. People become a lot more aware, not only of the issues that are going around them, but also more interested in learning more and, and maybe, you know, in become board members of some of those organizations or volunteer with them or, you know, give their professional skills, right? Like 
we have had given circle members that you know, maybe take a, a Saturday to support an organization building out a website or a database or going to a rally to register people to vote. So I do think, and there is research about that, that when people participate in given circles, first of all, they became more civically engaged. And second, they they will give more. They tend to give more over time. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's a great stat. Yeah. They are not only given in a given circle, they will start giving in other ways too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's a great outcome. And the civic engagement is a wonderful outcome of getting involved as a, in a giving circle. So tell me more about Philanthropy Together. So you're organizing many circles. Basically, you're trying to create a systematized network. Is that right? Yes. So after, you know, after we came back to the Gates Foundation with our plan, we're very fortunate to get a seed grant from them. That's awesome. To launch the organization. Thank you. So we launched this April. So right in the middle of COVID. No time. (laughs) No time to launch like COVID. Yes. Yes. But actually, it was the perfect time. The perfect time because we were able to launch Launchpad, which is our flagship program. It is a giving circle incubator. So we have this five-week online, super participatory and innovative training around giving circles. So we give you the tools, everything that you need to, to start the giving circle. So we did that in June. We had our first cohort that launched 36 giving circles And the silver lining of being in a virtual world is that we are not longer a national initiative. We kind of jumped to the global arena. You grew faster than you thought. Yeah. We had people from Germany, from Mexico, from France, Ukraine. And then we're right now, actually this week, beginning of October, we just started our second cohort of Launchpad with about 43 people, 44 people. Now we have eight countries represented. We have a guy in Sierra Leone. We have a guy in Singapore, three people from Brazil. So it's amazing. So with that, you know, we are giving, we're not telling people or pushing a specific model. We give them all the tools and for them to pick what works for their own group. We talk about the why, the who, the how, the where of given circle. So why do you want to, to, to have a given circle? What types of given circle exist? What types of membership? How do you pick a size of a given circle? And it, there's no right or wrong answers for anything. It's just whatever works for each specific case. So that is the first half of kind of our mission, like bringing new people into giving circles. But the second part, the the strengthen and sustain is to support the existing giving circle field. There are many, many great things going on in the field right now. So what we are creating is this interweaving among networks and circles. So Everybody can learn from each other. There's a lot of sharing of information, sharing of best practices, putting together webinars, putting together. We have a community of practice right now around racial equity. How do you embed racial equity in your giving circle, in your grant making, in your culture, in your community? 
we're planning a, a community of practice around storytelling. Ooh, I love that. Yes. One about social justice. So yeah. I love that. I think this is, I'm really excited about what you're doing. First of all, I really love this concept. So I just want to pause and say that. And I'm curious about everybody moving around. So I'm in San Francisco and I am seeing that the city is changing by the week where I've got actually people above me moving out and people across from me are moving out. So it's a crazy time of transition for many people when they don't have to be in person at work and where there are economies that are just terribly expensive to live in. So they're moving. So my question is, is there any kind of network or directory that would get people involved? Because I'm thinking about, I've been asked many times, I've moved a lot in my life. Well, how do you make friends? How do you get connected? What I've always said is I volunteer because that's the best way to meet like-minded people. And so whether that's like doing my first volunteership in San Francisco was showing up for a TEDx event. So I was an usher at a TEDx. It was great because I got to hear the wonderful speakers and I met some other people who are also interested in what TED does. So then I got involved as a volunteer with an organization over time. And then I became board member. And so that's how I've gotten involved. But as I'm thinking about this, what you're doing, I'm starting to wonder, is there a way that we could get people involved, not only with their volunteership, but just joining a group of people who are in a giving circle in their new town? Like, let's say they're going to Idaho or Denver or Nebraska, wherever people are moving that's less urban. Can they figure out how to plug in? Or what do you think about that? So that you touch on a very good, you got it right. At LCF, we saw that a lot of the members joining the Giving Circles were newcomers to the Bay Area. Oh, really? Oh, it's interesting. Yeah, you want to connect with people like you, right? So I guess, you know, they were typing or Googling Latino nonprofit organizations and they found those and they were getting, being part of these Giving Circles was giving them that the social and this community feeling. But in terms of the directory, actually, from the last research in 2017, you know, it's already outdated. So we're working right now with one of the researchers to update all that database. And we are working with a tech platform called Grapevine, grapevine grapevine.org, that I don't know if you know. They have an amazing tech platform for giving circles. So, for example, if you you have a given circle that you are not on the you know in the same place, or right now with COVID that you cannot meet in person, uh, Grapevine has you know amazing tools for you to connect with your given circle and to manage the money and everything. But we're working with Grapevine to put together a directory of given circles, like a super robust and and comprehensive directory of given circles. It's going to be ready at the beginning of next year, around February or March of 2021. And it's going to be embeddable. So the great thing is that it can live in in different websites. But the whole idea is that it's going to be filterable. So you can plug not only a zip code, but maybe an issue cause. Or I want to join an LGBTQ giving circle supporting trans issues. Or I want a giving circle that it's only female. Or, you know, so you will be able to put different criteria that speaks to you and you will find a given circle. So definitely that is, we're working on that. I love that. Well, I can't wait. I will be one of your first users. I think that's great. (laughs) I'm part of a group called Battery Powered. 
So they're giving. Oh, yes. Yes. So actually, I just connected to Colleen about a month ago. She's wonderful. Yeah. And Sochi from Battery. She's part of the Latina Giving Circle San Francisco. Oh, okay. Of Latino Community Foundations. Wonderful. Yes. I love what they're doing because they've got tiers. So just for those who don't know, I want to explain for just a moment because I think it's a really interesting way of doing giving circles. You have to be a member to this social club, which is its own membership fee. And then you can upgrade to becoming a battery-powered member. And you have a minimum gift that you have to give. And then there are two more tiers up. So as soon as you hit the next threshold, you're then in the next tier and then giving in the next threshold again is the next tier. And of course, you can give at any amount, but those are the minimum thresholds. And then with each of those thresholds, you get a certain number of votes. So when it comes time to vote for the cause issue or for the nonprofits that we're supporting, you have a certain number of tokens that you can invest based on your threshold. And what I love about the work is that, or about the giving circle is that they have quarters. So, or actually I think they're trimesters. You get involved, you learn about an issue, you understand first, what is the problem? Looking at a a local scale, national, and then global. And then you understand, okay, so what are some of the solutions out there? Again, local, national, global. And then we whittle it down to understanding, to prioritizing who we want to invest. And then each of those nonprofits gets a chance to pitch and to talk about their their problem, their solution, their metrics, their human stories. So for me, I have my areas of passion and interest, but then there are others that I just don't have enough time in the day to learn about. So this is a way for me to have a quick hit of understanding the problem solutions and what's out there. So I can have a much richer conversation over the dinner table with my friends and bring information that I would otherwise not have insights to, even though for me, like I am in the nonprofit space, so I should have a leg up on this, but still like nobody can understand all of the issues in the world or all of the solutions. So I really love it. And I want to promote that. And I just want to promote giving circles at large. And of course, philanthropy to, together, because I think it's really an enjoyable way to get involved and to give at, at whatever level you can. So I just wanted to take the moment to highlight that. No, that is perfect. And actually, that's the best example because, you know, talking to Colleen at at Battery Powered, she was telling me about the amazing white papers and issue papers that they put for for each of the causes. They're very serious. Yes. And she said, I would love if other given circles can benefit from that. So actually, we need to work together to put those issue area papers on our website so other given circles can learn about the issue areas. Right. Why reinvent the wheel? Why reinvent the wheel? Just finding with each network and each given circle, what are you doing great that you can share with other people? Because I think at the end of the day, we all want what is best for communities. And if we can all work together, it's a lot easier. Yeah, I love that. So why would somebody give to philanthropy together as opposed to to their giving circle. So tell me about your pitch and like what is unique and special and why should somebody support your organization? Well, you know, first of all, because we we are this philanthropic infrastructure, right? And it's not sexy. I know. Everybody, everybody loves a philanthropic infrastructure organizations <laughs> because they are needed, but nobody wants to fund them because it's not sexy. It's like funding operations or overhead. Yes, 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 yes. But at the same time, it's like we are the ones getting 
all these new philanthropists to give. We are the ones firing up all these groups that will be liberating capital in a quickly and impactful way to support different causes. So help us get to that point so we can, we have very bold goals for these five years. We are a very small but mighty team. We're six people. We're not thinking about growing more, but we have a lot of work to do. And, and we need the funding for, for doing it, like, you know, this project with the directory, et cetera. And I would say people should fund you because you're game changers. You're creating systemic change. You are creating a new way and platform to share and leverage resources to encourage more people to become more generous and connected and community oriented. So I love it. My hat's off to you. I love what you're doing, Sarah. I want to ask you just two more questions. One is what keeps you up at night? Like what is your biggest worry with the project? What keeps me up at night? I think there's so many things that I want to do. Yeah. I think it's kind of like putting it in the calendar and say, okay, we cannot do this because we're already doing this. Right. So I would love to have more hours in the day to be able (laughs) to do everything that we want to do in terms of these communities of practice or getting more people together. I am a connector of people. So every time when I meet someone, I'm already thinking, oh my God, who I can connect this person with to do something amazing. I think there's so much work to do and so little time. Right now, I'm trying to to find that way because many people have told me that there is a lot of high net worth individuals and ultra high net worth individuals that want to be more focused on giving to small grassroots nonprofits and they don't know how. And I know how they can do it. They need to partner with giving circles. Like giving circles know those tiny grassroots nonprofits and they have bet them for years because they have been working with them for years. So if a high net worth individual wants to be impactful in a small grassroots nonprofit, just, you know, match that grant from a given circle, partner with a given circle. Yeah. Matching is a great way for a high net wealth individual to really compel and propel rather their giving. And I love what you're saying. It's like, it doesn't just take the work out of it for a philanthropist. That's what I like, you know, it shouldn't be hard to give. It shouldn't be. But it is. It's like a whole nother job. If you're a high net wealth individual, you're expected to be very responsible about your investments. And you don't always have the expertise, time, bandwidth to study all of the nonprofits in your space or area of interest. So how wonderful that you can work through other organizations, like through a giving circle or or through a board where people have dedicated their lives to this or their time. So I like that. I like that. I understand why that keeps you up at night. What gives you hope? Giving circles give me hope Woo-hoo. completely because I think they're the future of the philanthropy, you know, in terms of bringing new voices into the field of, in terms of doing things a lot differently that how has been done before. And I think these new leaders and not that new leaders, because there are many people do being part of giving circles for many, many years have a lot to teach to other people trying to get into this world. So, yeah. Good. Is there anything that I should have asked you that I didn't ask you? I don't know. I'm trying to think. (laughs) (laughs) We've had a nice chat. 
you and I could be here like for three oh, hours. Oh, I'm sure like, of yeah, that. I would love to yes, pick your yes. brain. There's a lot more. <laughs> I know. Um, if there's one organization or one idea or one person, just pick one. What would you want to shine light on? You know what I forgot to tell you about? Tell me. So we are doing, apart from Launchpad, which is this given circle incubator that we're doing, you know, we will do it every quarter. And then we are going to do some Launchpad for teenagers and for different regions. We are going to be doing also Launchpad Pro, which is for host institutions. So there are many community foundations, Jewish federations, women's funds that host given circles. And there's always this challenge and push and pull between the given circles and the host institution. So what we want is give this training and offer every single host institution that is toying with the idea of hosting given circles, kind of a set of best practices. We are interviewing a lot of community foundations to see what has worked, what hasn't, what would they do differently. So I would love for community foundations and host institutions to to be part of Launchpad Pro. And I think, you know, Lindsay, and thank you because you as a fundraiser, you've thought about that. Yes, you know, we have this grant from the Gates Foundation, but we were in fundraising mode. We need to raise about $6 million to do all we want to do. So to make it happen. Cool. To make it happen. (laughs) It's a valiant effort. And I think it's a really good one that will impact society for many years to come. So I love that, you know, when we can make shifts at the root of society. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. You know who you should talk to? What? Tell me. You should talk to Masha Cherniak. Okay. From Latino Community Foundation. She is, oh my God, do you know her? She's Russian. No, 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 I don't. So, well, she's the most Latina of Latinos, and she's not even Latina, she's Russian. But she's the vice president of programs for Latino Community Foundation, and she is an amazing speaker. And they have this whole mantra of change, not charity. Nice. I love that. I love that. I hate the idea of charity. Charity. Oh, yeah, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. But it shouldn't be. It should be change. I love that change impact. I've been using the phrase I got from Deepak Chopra and his meditations of love and action. So that's what I've been putting on my walls. Like, how are you showing love and action today? What's your love and action? Yes, totally. And you know, I, I like to call given circles people powered philanthropies. Oh, I like that too. Yeah, it's 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 that. It's basically, you know, love of humanity again. I love this. Thank you so much for your time. I know we extended from our original conversation plans, but it's really nice to learn from you and hear from you. And I'm glad to shine a light on what you're doing. And hopefully others will get involved in giving circles and support you. Thank you. And I love that you're part of Battery Power. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Creating Community for Good podcast. If you like what you heard, let me know. Send me a message on LinkedIn or write a review on Apple Podcasts. If you haven't done so yet, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. If you're curious about a topic or you'd like to be a guest, let's connect. Go to www.creatingcommunityforgood.com. In there, you will see all of the podcast episodes with beautifully written show notes and hyperlinks to everything that we've discussed. Thank you and shine on. With this latest valuable episode, we'd love to thank you for joining us on the Creating Community for Good podcast. If you found today's show valuable, simply visit our website, creatingcommunityforgood.com, 
to leave a review, as well as to get access to additional resources and relevant links from this show. Stay tuned for more episodes.